Coffee Sketch Podcast is our take on the intersection of old tech and new tech, the space between the traditional practice of the hand-drawn sketch that has been performed by architects and designers for centuries, and the modern-day use of the hashtag as a representation of a sentiment or a movement. Each week, we plan to deliver a new pod about our ideas, sketches, and what's going on in our daily lives as we pursue our love of architecture, design, and sharing this knowledge with the next generation. I'm Kurt, and I'm in Flint. And I'm Jamie, and I'm in Austin. Hey, Jamie. How are you doing? Hey, Kurt. Very good. How are you? Great. Um, I'm better than than good. Better than good, even. (laughs) Is this one of those... We haven't done this one where, like, Jamie answers in, like, some broken (sighs) French-Canadian... Because uh, I, <laughs> I, I do that from time to time, and and um, I think because one of them is I just I like the phrase "comme ci comme ça," uh-huh. um, which uh-huh. is just you know so so. Yeah. You know, it's it's not like a it's not like an overly negative or not overly positive. It's just sort of like eh. Sure. In but now Espanol, I'm. I, they but would I, say "así así." See, okay, right. Like the same. But, yeah. <laughs> you know, I think I've been in Texas for too long now, and there's some moments where if I haven't talked to family, um, then I I sort of forget that uh, uh, that phraseology that was ever-present in my life for so long. Um, anyways, I digress. I'm doing great. <laughs> but you apparently are doing better, so what's going on? <laughs> I'm not doing better than great. I was, oh. I was just doing better than good. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, fair enough. Well, you know what? Well, actually, what is making life a little better is uh, um, my wife went got some food, groceries, and uh, stumbled across a bag of Intelligentsia coffee. That oh, is so full strength. <laughs> so, so the embargo is over. <laughs> yes, the the. The decaffeinated zone is has is, been breached. Is no more. We we breached <laughs> we breached the the DMZ. Awesome. Very good. We've, Glad to hear it. Return, return to strength. Okay. Yes. <laughs> that's that's what we were needing. I needed to hear that kind of news. I'm sure the listeners did as well. Very worried about Kurt and you know, people were probably preparing care packages as we speak. So <laughs> that's right. Um the uh, this is a, it's a good blend or you know roast. So are you, are you gonna are you, so after me like lamenting this and living this, are you gonna send me some intelligentsia? I don't know what this. Finish my sentence. I don't know what this is called. Explain to me about this this blend you found. Oh, have you heard of intelligentsia? Maybe not. I think I think they're based in Chicago. I think. So it's a Midwest area. It's a roaster. Hmm. My my coworker is like all about it. So she's like, I have, I order it online overnight or whatever. Oh, wow. You know, okay. Yeah. <clears throat> and so anyway, Danielle. So I should know is um, basically what you're saying. This is, this is one of those moments where um, Jamie is, is uh, just unawares. Well, aware, you know, unawares even, even. <laughs> <laughs> maybe there's a a. Uh, <laughs> See? Maybe there's an embargo on the state of Texas to uh, ban a ban on 
on Intelligentsia. Eh. <laughs> eh. Oh, funny, funny, funny. Okay. Yeah. You think there's? Uh, I think and they you, have it. You in only say. Too. You so. only say, oh yeah. See, it's all the flyover states is what you're saying. I get you. Okay. So, question <laughs> for for the new Midwesterner: uh, Do you even consider yourself a Midwesterner? I mean, Michigan is that a Midwestern state? I don't think so. But um, you can call it what you want. What um, do you call it? East Coast. Michigan. Eastern. No, yeah. I just call it Michigan. I don't. I don't. Oh. I don't ascribe yeah. to those kinds of like labels. I, I don't. See. I just. I don't think of. Um, I just don't think of it that way. Uh, but that's just oh. maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I think yeah, it's probably not as. I don't know. I feel like parts of it are Midwest, and parts of it are. Um, you know, you could call it the state. I like to call it the Great Lakes region. Yeah. See, that have, works. That know. works for me. Yeah. You know. Um. Um. And it sounds more sounds sounds intelligentsia, right? <laughs> you're you're. Some you're, people might start thinking this is a, a plug. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, we might be working up to some sponsors. I, I think that that's uh, something we might, uh, you know, that's a twenty twenty goal, right? So um, yeah. And if it's just coffee sponsors and people want to send us coffee, that would be amazing. So that would be cool. Um, we would drink it and then we could talk about it. So instead of just um, ravaging our local grocery stores and markets and um, farmers markets and um, strange travels, neighbors, neighbors, <laughs> demilitarized coffee zones. Um, so, so you mentioned Texas, and I see mm-hmm. that you have selected some images. Yeah. Speaking of which. Right. Although, did you want to talk about any new coffee, coffee oh, in, news? In, 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 your... in, in well, I mean, it, you know me and the Texas coffee. So, um, I had kind of gotten on a independence coffee kick again and, mm-hmm. um, they're, you know, a Texas original. And so I, I went ahead and, and got the, um, uh, a bag of Madeline's backyard pecan, the original, mm pecan texas blend um Ooh. and it's uh you know it's it's pretty great um I, I i i will say that the pecan flavor is um a little bit strong with it but um so i'm not able to just sort of go you know full force with the usual black coffee i have to i have to cut it with a little bit of milk or cream but mm. but i like it the flavor's great cool i i would uh, i would like to taste that that's interesting flavor i never even thought about oh yeah i mean pecan i mean that's the thing i mean in in sort of um central texas um i think the you know pecan recipes really kind of come out and um interestingly enough um you know learned a, a you know some interesting tidbits on sort of the genealogy of some of that um it won't necessarily go into it, but maybe circle back to it later in the episode. But I was at a conference and one of the keynote speakers um, is a, an author, a James Beard award-winning author. Um, oh. And um, highly recommend um, getting his book. I've only just started it, but um, he was a keynote and then did a breakout session and just had an amazing 
narrative and viewpoint and worldview that really revolved around the stories of place and and people and culture and family and history, but all of it related to food. So it's you know certainly much more than a cookbook, and it's more of a um, you know just a the the title of the book is called the Cooking Gene. A Journey Through African-American Culinary History in the Old South um, by Michael Twitty, and um, highly recommend um, it and him. And you can also follow him on Twitter um, at Kosher Soul. Um, but yeah, he's the James, Be- James Beard Award winner um, for uh, food writing. And he gave some incredible examples of how the pecan... <laughs> really um, uh, finds its way into central Texas cuisine in lots of interesting ways and, uh, and then gets blended with other kind of cultural food traditions. And um, yeah, but living here in central Texas, you know, I, I mean, pecans are great and they're everywhere. And that sort of whole picking the pecan process, you know, is, um, you know, from the ground and cracking them and uh, using them in various recipes and, um, yeah, it's, it's sort of ever present, but in the coffee, this independence blend is pretty fantastic. have to say. Yeah. Cool. That's, that's, that's a fantastic story. Oh, <laughs> you know, that's, uh, <clears throat> I think it's more exciting than mine. Oh, oh, well, no, I, I mean, it's, I mean, you, I just, you've given me I, some of your, your wayward, um, <clears throat> you know, exploits in terms of, you know, seeking out some coffee. So, um, this made me made me think of it. Yeah, very cool. Um, yeah, so uh, for for this week, uh, you have been sketching at your old stomping grounds, and so I thought it'd be fun to uh, take a look at what you've sketched and talk about A and M Aggieland as you as you put in here, and then you you know you could briefly describe the the gigum. <laughs> I had a I had a classmate from um College Station area. That's that's where it is, right? College mm-hmm. Station. Yeah. yeah. And uh a, a USC classmate <clears throat> who actually grew up out there out your way and then went out west. So then when we were in studio, he would talk about the the gigum thing. And I still I I can I kind of forgotten. And you might have mentioned it um um previously but or maybe just to me at you know walking around conference or something like that <laughs> anyway so this is a building well that you've you've sketched twice um twice very recently well, you can yes. explain yeah. yeah you can explain that part and uh um and uh yeah so Tell me more about well, this. And, and so the, the, the twice recently really relates back to this conference I was just at. So the second iteration, and we'll post both of these sketches on, um, on the show notes. Uh, both of them are on Instagram uh, about a week apart. And, you know, the, we've talked about it on, on about sketches in the past that sometimes I'll kind of revisit the same subject matter. Um, and interestingly enough at our conference, um, the the question was posed in sort of a, a social um, a social area 
um, they were sort of a social media posting. Um, oftentimes you'll, you'll see those sort of question boards or, you know, uh, you know, to the attendees and people kind of post their responses on note cards or uh, post-it notes. And uh, the, the question at this one was talking about place and talking about one of your favorite places in Texas and the postcards that they had out for people to kind of write their, uh, their story of place. Uh, I took the liberty of sketching on it instead. Um, <laughs> uh, and so over coffee um, was able to do my own coffee sketch that day and decided that I would sort of revisit um, a sketch of the academic building at Texas A&M, um, which uh, is, you know, sort of the, one of the iconic images um, uh, of mm -hmm. Aggieland. And, and so I, I did that as my, my postcard. Um, and we've talked about postcards a little bit on this, uh, podcast yeah. as well. So, but yeah, um, uh, the academic building. So it's, it's, uh, just over a hundred years old. Um, and wow. it's, uh, um, it replaced the original, um, old, what they call old main or the first campus building. Um, so, uh, the first campus building burned and, and then the academic building was rebuilt in its place on the same, on the same location and, um, has a, a very, uh, neoclassical type style. Um, but yeah, it's, it's sort of the center, of, not necessarily the geographic center of campus, but it's, it's sort of the center of the campus. That's cool. So what is the function when you call it academic building? Is it administrative like or student union or No, it's 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 administrative now and it's it's sort of changed over it's evolved over time. At one point, uh it's a multi-story building uh and has sort of a um uh a copper dome on the top and has that sort of wonderful patina. Um mm -hmm. at one point the one of the upper floors was actually um, the first um, classrooms for the architecture department. Ooh. Um, so the architecture department occupied, I believe, the, the uppermost floor um, for uh, a number of years, and then they moved out. Um, so that the uh, yeah, so. There's, it's, it certainly has a rich history, and, and I think it's sort of been a, a few different things. Student services have been in there. Um, some academic uh, advising has been in that building. I, I, I've taken a class or two in there when I was an undergraduate. I don't believe there's any classes in there anymore, um, but it's, uh, it certainly is a, an icon. And it's, it's the place on campus that sort of um, – there's a lot of sort of sacred ground um, and a lot of traditions with A&M, &M, and, and it's one where um, their silver tap ceremony is um, mm. where they remember they on a monthly basis um, remember any um, former student or Aggie um, who has passed away in the in the past month um, in a oh, wow. in a sort of candlelit ceremony. Um, um, and so, so the, uh, the campus goes dark at, and, and a small little ceremony occurs on basically the steps of the, the academic building. Wow. That's very cool. That must be a, 
a powerful scene too, especially if they shut the lights and just go candlelight. Yeah, it's uh, it's called for silver. A period it's, of time. Yeah, it's called silver taps, and um, and then annually there's a um, a, a muster uh, for all of the sort of fallen Aggies or fallen former students. And this is we're not just talking about students who are um, you know on campus at the time. This is um, you know you're you're an Aggie for life, and um, mm-hmm. so you know annually they they. Um, they mark that occasion on April 21st, um, but monthly they do it um, at on the steps of the academic um, building. Oh, that's very that's really cool. Full of, I love. I mean, I guess it's one aspect of me that appreciates uh, my time in college, even though I took me a little while to finish paying for it, but. <laughs> <laughs> You know, there's just some things that you you can't get from you know no knock to staying local or um, you know choosing a a smaller school, um, but sometimes th- those those intangible um, uh, historical just embedded things are are you know carry on for for your lifetime. You know, I, I, you know, Aggie, or uh, as an Aggie, and the couple I have my uh, my wife's grandfather is an Aggie, still wears his ring. Yeah, we've talked about him. Um, and many yeah, I know. Time. Yeah, and so I understand the 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 passion that that <clears throat> that that is. And then, you know, for me back in California at Southern Cal, it was a there's a lot of cool tradition there, um, and. And it was, uh, you know, things I'll never forget, you know. And then I had the, it's cool, my dad went to USC too. So, you know, yeah, hearing some stories from him and then yeah, you living that, it myself, you, you know. have that history of place thing too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Sitting in the Coliseum where we play football and just thinking like, oh, you know, maybe my dad sat in one of these bleachers. And so it's kind of kind of cool. Yeah, definitely. That's so. a that's a, a space that I would love to get into. I mean, having seen well, it on, having seen it on TV so many times. This is a probably a good point to segue <laughs> into <laughs> a clean break. A clean um, break. <clears throat> well, this year's AIA National Conference is in Los Angeles. It is. Dun- Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> and um, and and there's my and, trumpet and and Kurt has basically been counting down the days since the last conference. I think when we since lit. yeah, I mean, I think you know even before the last conference, I think you were already <laughs> projecting. Like, do you know where the next conference is? <laughs> we hadn't even gone to the the one we were going to. So whenever um, they announced, yeah, oh man, I was like, oh, L.A. 2020. So yes, we get to go to uh, the national conference. I'm surprised they're letting yeah. you back into LA just the way you talk about it so much. So, <laughs> well, they're just you know they're just so excited yeah. to to have a. I mean, they already have one of you over there. So um, yeah, well, well, you know, technically my brother is uh, in San Diego, but still, uh, you know, close closer than I am where I'm sitting now, but. Um, yeah, and my brother's and uh, he did not go to USC, so he's kind of an, an adopted son 
well, he's not adopted, but in the uh, that would be uh, really strange, and it's very it would strange be really weird. That, twins. Yeah, twins. twins. One's adopted, one's not. <laughs> anyway, I'm I'm getting off track. But what kind <clears> of <throat> podcast has this become? <laughs> A strange uh, ancestry dot com. Yeah. So. Yes, anyway, not we're going to be in not LA. A sponsor. Not a sponsor. In the sense, yeah, yeah in sense, in the sense that we are are planning on going. Uh, I know you've already booked your flight, so that's exciting. I need to get on that. But I I I promise a um personal tour of the campus. Um the buildings that I remember and the new buildings that I haven't even visited myself. And we can, and then right across the street is the Coliseum, on the way to uh, the Natural History Museum. And also, what's going to be there? I believe it's going. It's already in construction. Is the 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 George Lucas, which I think we talked about last week, but the George Lucas Museum of Narrative Art, I think, is what he calls it, um, which is kind of a radical spaceship designed by these Chinese architect group, Mad. Right, I believe mm-hmm. it's mad. That's correct. Yeah, <clears throat> and um, you know, I don't know that thing. That thing is very. I think it's cool. It's kind of, uh, and, you know, they're, and they're kind of wiping out half of the tailgate parking. So I don't know how they're going to compensate the uh, alumni. <laughs> well, I know talk about traditions, but it wasn't this the project that was originally slated for Chicago, mm-hmm. and and then. And ended up sort of meeting with a little bit of resistance because of where it was in proximity, I guess, to um, one of the other museums that was there and sort of its connection to Millennium Park. And then they have circled back and now it's at um, in Southern California, which, I mean, for a narrative and film kind of based, yeah. it it. it it does seem like it f- maybe found its right home, but I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not sure. I haven't necessarily followed the design as, as maybe as closely as you have, but I'm excited oh. to see it for sure. Yeah, I don't know how much of that will be built, but um, yeah, it was in Chicago. I don't know. Yeah, they hit a lot of obstacles. I think there was also some maybe some riverfront or waterfront, not riverfront, lakefront <laughs> um, concerns in the. It's Kurt the, has the trouble in... with bodies of water. <laughs> we've learned about I live math. In the Great Lakes region. Yeah, we've learned about <laughs> math and we've learned about his geography skills all in one episode. So, <laughs> oh, challenged, uh, uh, geog- geographically challenged today. Any, anyway, uh, moving on uh, back back to the the task at hand. Um. Anyway, it was it's kind of it was a super futuristic looking. Well, I guess both designs are futuristic, but the other one looked like a a mountain, a smooth sort of um, ski slope kind of. I don't know. Very I think you, like you're 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 space, chanting very like like big, um, and it's uh, you know almost going a different direction architecturally um <laughs> so yeah so anyway so that's but i'm excited so for the so, i'm excited for the kurt you know shows me la tour i hope i hope so um i mean you know we could 
Yeah, there's so many things that I, I, I new things on campus, but some of the, you know all the all the old stuff still there. Um, and, and opportunity for food, you know, extra live episodes because we did try one oh, in yeah. our in our freshman season, and you know this is the sophomore year, so um, that means we have to go big or go home, and you know this is that'll be our big opportunity. Yeah, and we we have some 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 hardware and software uh to uh to take a better stab at this moving into the sophomore season so and, we and will we improve. might have we might have some extra people you know around to to help hold the camera um so Kurt isn't as uh technically challenged but um <laughs> but it also gives us an opportunity to get some other guests in um and and I think that'll be uh um We'll definitely be recording several episodes while we're out there, so that'll be fun. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, anyway, to to kind of tie tie this this theme back together with the campus building, so is um, and it's going to be a lot. I guess I just got so excited about talking about all the places I used to walk around, but um, that you know, the USC's got a lot of new buildings, that a huge uh, development. Um, which I think they put like the honors dorms in um, just north of the northernmost edge of campus. So now its borders have expanded. Um, but USC sticks to a, a, a style that keeps the color palette of a lot of its most historic well-known buildings. So they have, I think many universities do this, right? They have like a a blend of brick that is custom to their campus. And so all the buildings have to have this brick and then they have either concrete or limestone or accents of, uh, you know, stone mixed in with the brick. And so USC's buildings are, I imagine, I was going to say, I imagine facilities, I imagine facilities departments when they like, they make new hires, they, you know, they, they take, all the new hires, you know, through the HR process. And then they, um, tattoo that brick blend recipe <laughs> on some right. port, some part of their body, because I think there's, there's, you know, each university has that. So I would I w- yeah. definitely agree. And they don't, so they don't deviate too much that, you know, there's, a, there is an occasional brutalist building, but that's back from the, you know, the 60s, 70s. And, um, and then there's when everyone um, was a rebel. <laughs> there are no rules. Burn everything. <laughs> um, and and then uh, there's a, the 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 Annenberg um, Communication School is probably the most. It's it's modern. It's new. There's a new wing, and it's kind of probably pushing it the most. But it's still pretty uh, understated. Um, but that neoclassical style is is sort of our segue back to our other topic that we were bombarded with this week. Yeah. Right? If we wanted to touch, just touch on it lightly. Well, it's since you the know, news is just coming out. Right, and we we don't typically go political in our in our podcast. You know, there's um, yeah, and but I think that it, it, this isn't about being political. This is about you know talking about. Um, you know, us as design professionals and then our, our member organization nationally, um, has, 
come out with a, a, a very short sort of position statement on the idea that um, apparently the um, executive branch uh, of the federal government is exploring the option of reinstituting a neoclassical design guideline um, for all new federal buildings and um, you know sort of a, a specific style guide and a specific style um, some people might call it federalist or something like that um, as we were talking about but um, the AI national has come out with a very short position statement basically um, uh, against that and sort of noting that you know, styles um, shouldn't necessarily be dictated um, and, and shouldn't be marginalized to um, one particular one, especially in, in uh, almost irregardless of, um, or regardless of place, um, irregardless mm -hmm. not being a word. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, I got science. Or geography, math, and you've got vocabulary. Got, I have vocabulary. <laughs> vocabulary is all mine, as my Canadian uh, poor English, uh, strange vocabulary, bad spelling um, self. Yes, that one's all me. But no, you're right. It's uh, I it was inter. I it was it's. I mean, this kind of happened yesterday, or or maybe the it was yesterday day before yeah. yesterday. Yeah. yeah. And AI quickly jumped on something, you know, and started um, at least creating a press release that opined about, um, you know, this this concept or this decision. And um, I thought that was at least <clears throat> exciting to have action, right, in a direction, right, right. and and it, rather to sit silent. So I, I kind of I'm I'm pretty. I don't know. I appreciate that AI is is making more strides in that direction of being more proactive. Well, I mean, it's and, certainly in 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 a sense where you know our news cycle is um, not even uh, a daily news cycle; it's almost an hourly news cycle, or even shorter than that. You know, with social media, and you know, people you know complain about it, but it's you know it's the world in which we live. And mm -hmm. I think you're right, is that they were very, very quick to respond. And uh, it wasn't necessarily a, a hugely robust response, um, but I think it was it was certainly um, appropriate in my eyes as well from the standpoint that we're building professionals and we're designers and in some cases we're historians. And um, there might be a neoclassical building uh, that's completely appropriate for a project, but to dictate that all new buildings, uh, regardless of their location, um, using federal dollars should be neoclassical is is a is a very strong statement, um, and and I don't think it's necessarily one that uh, an organization like the AIA was. Um, brought into that kind of discussion. I think it, like you say, it, it caught a lot of people off guard. Um, and I'm, and I'm glad to see that they were quick to at least, um, I'm sure that from a, a lobbyist standpoint, they've, 
they've uh, reached out to the people um, that they know within the administration or, or within the government to um, to make their concerns known. Um, but I, I, I'm glad that there was a public statement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's quite a reach. And um, <clears throat> given our current events and political maneuvers, I don't know what word to use, <laughs> the impeachment stuff. Right. <laughs> uh, it seems like, uh, you know, now they're going to pick on us architects. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I mean, it, when you say the impeachment stuff, I mean, it's only happened three times in our nation's history. Right. So um, it's uh, it's not like it's, a, um, you know, a common occurrence. But I think, you know, mm-hmm. you know when, when you brought it up about, you know, talking about um, campus architecture and, and neoclassical or, or federal uh, and and styles. Um, it's it's interesting to hear, you know, the way you sort of were describing USC and the material palette. And I'm I'm wondering if with some of the buildings that you that you were able to see or have seen since um, since graduating and are you know an alumni now. Um, what kind of discussion with some of the new projects? Was there, um, you know, criticism, concern, praise? Um, hmm. Well, being, you know, being this far away and not, you know, not um, physically being around LA, I couldn't talk to, you know, uh, as many, um, you know, fellow architects in that area but you know only kind of tapping into some old friends and and then the general sort of media about it and interestingly enough um the the this big project that i i mentioned uh-huh. um the dorm buildings and and classrooms and um i forgot the even the um university village i think is what they call it something like that um was designed by Harley Ellis Devereaux which is a michigan headquartered firm but has an office in LA and and other ones you know around the country um so it's kind of funny that uh you know one of these you know this one of the biggest new buildings for USC was designed by a firm here in Michigan so there's this weird uh inception moments going on although I don't work there so you know that would have been sweet <clears throat> if I could have worked anyway I digress but I I think the the general if you just look at the press about it and then the promo, obviously if you look at the promo emails and stuff that I got as an alumni, um, you know, the overall consensus was it was like going to be a beautiful addition to the campus. Um, and you know, the, all the newspapers talked about it, you know, and just talked about the, the, the immensity or the massive, just the massive investment that it is in capital, uh, to build this thing, which, you know, USC, you know, I've, I couldn't really, I couldn't hardly afford to go there now. Um, the tuition <laughs> has risen so much. But recently, you know, USC had a campaign, a capital campaign of $5 billion. And I think they beat their mark by, they cut their gold time in half and raised $6 billion. So, you know, and that this is all while all this stuff's going on, but like, you know, so their endowment is just like gargantuan. It's just this crazy mountain of, you know, right, m- money that they're sitting on there. But, um, 
So I'm really kind of waiting, like you and I have talked before, is I'm really waiting till I get there to see it for myself and to feel, because I lived that campus for five years and then would visit, you know, as an alumni when I lived out in L.A. and see uh, some of the other buildings kind of moving and adding and stuff. But I really want to feel how this new uh, project will fill that space differently than the way it was before. Cause what was there before was kind of like a commercial uh, development that had a, a, a small grocery, a Denny's uh, and, and a little cluster of um, um, retail shops and things like that. But, you know, kind of used, you know, not, not really like super popular and, you know, anyway, so they took all that away to place all this, right. It's a massive, swap and um the one thing at least that i think is cool from being an alumni like going back to to you know the the sort of traditions like in in college station at a&m is in the middle of our campus we have a statue of tommy trojan which is our mascot is the trojans and so there's a really cool statue of tommy trojan right and so there's a uh um, uh, mythological sort of connection to the Trojan warrior and things like that. And then in this new building or this new uh, um, development on, on the North end of the campus, they placed a statue of Helen of Troy that sort of creates this axial, you know, connection back to Tommy Trojan in the middle of campus so there's the now that we have the the sort of the male and the female, and I'm really looking forward to seeing that relationship as well. So I think that was kind of a neat touch that they did. No, absolutely. So, but yeah, well, I'm holding we, holding all my full criticism till I get there. Well, I'm excited to to walk around a space like that with you and um and really be the uh, um you know, the, the listener in, in sort of hearing your thoughts and then, and then trying to, what would be interesting is trying to capture those in a sketch while you're talking. Mm -hmm. Um, and maybe sure. that's, you know, uh, we're, I think we're, we're spitballing our, our script, um, for, you know, yeah. later this year. Um, no, it, well, and it, it, it makes me think of the other sketch that you grabbed from that week at A&M, um, was, a brand new building. Mm -hmm. uh, I only drew a little detail of it. Um, and uh, again, it was another 10 minute sketch really, really quick um, before um, some of the activities that I was involved in while I was there and, you know, went over and wanted to see it because um, I knew this building was going to be going up and I knew where it was going on campus. And, and similar to the way you were talking about, um, its relationship to certain spaces that I knew very, very well. Um, this, this building by Lake Flato architects, um, is, was literally opened the week that I was there. Um, it's a new student services building. Um, so it sort of houses some counseling services, uh, the Dean of student services. Um, I believe there's new study abroad offices in there. Um, but it's a uh, about a hundred thousand square foot building, and it's um, you know multi-story, uh, about four-story building, um, 
And again, a, another brick building, um, kind of working into the material palette of A&M, but decidedly the, um, the proportions uh, mimic um, or at least pay homage to the other buildings on campus. And most interestingly to me is that its position on campus is one where um, there was a, a series of um, dormitories um, that were non-air dorms. And I, I lived in one of those non-air dorms, uh, so non-air conditioned. Um, and those were taken down many, many, many years ago. Um, some of them turned into some some new public spaces, um, and then some other buildings were reconfigured. Uh, the dorm that I, I lived in wasn't on this site, but it was it was it was close by. But it's it's really on sort of the uh, the same academic plaza that the first sketch was. Um, so the academic building um, and this new student services building by Lake Flado are really framing the academic plaza in a sense. And one is a hundred years old and this building is, is literally brand new. Um, and I think on a campus like A&M where a lot of the central core of campus um, uh, is, is, has been built out over time. It's very, very interesting to see some of these infill kind of buildings going in Um and what the decisions are being made in terms of what's being kept, um, how that not just not just by the building fabric, but also just sort of sort of the way you were describing your walking around USC was sort of the way I felt when I was sort of walking around some of the spaces um, in Aggieland. Um, and, uh, you know, a building like this by Lake Flato, I think, is, is the details were really, really well crafted. Um, I think I would want to kind of go back and spend a little bit more time walking around um, and because I'm curious how it, it, it would feel at different times of the year um, when there's, you know, different levels of activity um, in that, in that portion of the campus. Yeah. And I think we should maybe talk more about campus buildings uh, throughout this year. <laughs> yeah, I think so. We'll have, I'm sure it'll, we've, you know, especially once we, visit LA and, you know, if, if there's other opportunities, but, uh, there's a lot of other thoughts I have about the direction of academic academia universities and their, you know, expenditure, you know, their capital you know, concepts for building new buildings and, and how spaces are changing on campuses and e-campus and all that stuff. Cause it really is a lot different now than when we went I right mean, i don't think they even offered online classes if if um, if they did it was a very very limited basis and and it's certainly that's right. that's um definitely changed and um i i think it's uh you know when you when you brought up the what had happened this week um, at the federal government level um and knowing we were going to talk about some of these campus sketches the there's there's a logical connection there um, where um, thoughtful building professionals are trying to have some influence on the built environment and the spaces in between. You know, all that being said is those thoughtful building professionals, though consulted in some instances, are um, 
are only one voice in that discussion. I think the people who inhabit the spaces, um, the people who are paying for those spaces, um, <laughs> the, the leadership of a, a particular institution, um, all might have varying different, you know, all varying and differing views. And I think how those sort of meld into what we end up inhabiting is is really pretty fascinating. So yeah, I, I I'd be I'd be down for talking about it a few more times um, in different sure. contexts. Great. You already were signed up though. So. <laughs> oh yeah, I guess I am. I guess just, I'm, just, I, I, I signed up for the Kirk tour of LA and season two. Yes. Yeah, season, <laughs> season two in LA. But uh, yeah. So I think that'd be, that's probably a good place to, to put a pin in it for now. Um, I, and we're going to post, um, the, the three sketches that you really did, um, in that kind of all revolve around the Aggie sketches that you did and, and sort of weave into our conversation. I might try and grab a, grab a picture from, um, from campus or something like that, you know, and see if, you know, maybe we throw that in there as a link to have a comparison for people too. And, uh, something to look forward to when we uh, head out there in, in, in May. So uh, thanks for your, for your history lesson. And uh, I hope you don't get lost with my geography lesson. Right. And, and thank you for the, uh, the teasing optimism for uh, our LA adventures. So excited. Thanks, Kurt. Thank you for listening. We both hope that you enjoyed this episode of Coffee Sketch Podcast. Our theme music is provided by my brother who goes by at Cold Fashioned on Instagram and Twitter. Our podcast is hosted at coffeesketch.buzzsprout.com. Find more show notes and information from this episode. And finally, if you like what you heard, please rate us on iTunes and share us with your friends. Thank you.